As you know by now, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation. Plus CBD Daily Balance THC-free. Daily Balance is a daily-use supplement that provides the benefits of CBD without the concern of other cannabinoids like THC causing unwanted effects. Daily Balance contains the purest form of hemp-derived CBD in high concentrations to help you overcome intense challenges to mental and physical well-being. All Plus CBD products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new Daily Balance THC-free line of oil, soft gels, and gummies. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and today we're going to talk about how the gut influences immunity. Yeah, there's a big connection between our microbiome and our susceptibility to disease, uh, specifically when it comes to fending off pathogens, uh, but also there's so many pervasive effects of the GI tract on all manner of organ systems. We also talk about the gut-brain connection, uh, the food-mood and gut-mood uh, connection. Uh, these are also important. We're talking today to an expert. Uh, she's Christine Roche. Uh, she's a master's in public health, uh, trained at Stanford University. Uh, also, I'm happy to say a CNS, a certified nutrition specialist. Uh, that's uh, an organization I'm very excited about because I'm actually president of the board for uh, certifying nutrition specialists, and I think it's a great credential to have. Uh, She has additional training as a microbiome health expert. She's developed an integrated approach to digestive health that's based on many years of experience in the healthcare field, and uh, she uh, also has expertise in something called heart math, which explores the impact of heart rate variability uh, on stress and uh, also with an impact apparently on gut health. I didn't know that. We'll find out about that later. So uh, without further ado, here's uh, Christine. Christine, it's a pleasure having you on Intelligence Medicine. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Hoffman. It's a pleasure to be here today. Indeed. So, uh, okay, so one of the, the big concerns these days, you know, we talk about immunity. It's almost synonymous with COVID. You know, we went through a terrible pandemic uh, and Many of the studies uh, that look at susceptibility to COVID have zeroed in on the microbiome. And maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but there are people suffering from long COVID. And now they suspect that the microbiome, an altered microbiome, may have an influence on their likelihood of recovery. So uh, tell us a little bit about the latest research. Yes. So, you know, it, it turns out that the you know, as, as you know from so many medical disciplines, the health of the microbiome in our gut and, and the health of all the organs of the body, you know, each organ has its own microbiome, directly influences how viruses and COVID express themselves. So there's a very strong 
correlation between the gut microbiome and the severity of the disease onset and progression. For example, a research shows that 90% of hospitalized people with COVID-19 and other severe, you know, flu viruses had a decreased diversity and richness of species. They almost had a barren terrain. They did not have, if you imagine a microbiome like a garden, they had a lot of species that were actually inflammatory and they had very few beneficial species. And the research also shows that as COVID progressed in people, both in and out of hospitals, there was um, an expansion of opportunistic fungus, bacteria, and dysbiotic flora that uh, produced a lot of toxic byproducts in the person's body. So, for example, you know, candida albicans, a lot of aspergillus, mold, allergens, you know, there's a lot of toxins that affect the immune system. And people, both in and out patient, the research shows severe issues with related to fungus, pulmonary aspergillus, and dangerous organisms. And there's been a study at the University of Massachusetts, actually, that showed um, that Enterococcus faecale increases in the stool and the mouth which directly affects the immune response and the epithelial gut barrier integrity. So could this have something to do with why Americans, uh, North Americans, uh, are particularly prone to devastating impact of COVID? Because, you know, as, as we all recall, in the beginning of the pandemic, we, we worried about tropical countries that were medically underserved. We worried about uh, uh, Central Africa uh, we worried about impoverished parts of Latin America and Asia. And it turned out that, well, well there was a death toll, there's no question. Uh, the, the impact of COVID was greater per capita, ironically, in a country that's medically advanced, like the United States. I mean, does, is it possible that something that we've done to undermine our gut integrity, the, the, the balance in our microbiome has rendered us more susceptible? Yes, yes, this is very much the case because when you look at what has happened in the culture and what is how, you know, what's going on nowadays, we know that, you know, the air pollution, the toxins in the air, the water, the average American, you know, how many chemicals each baby is born, you know, hundreds of chemicals just in the, in the cord between the mother. Uh, there's a lot of the, the standard American diet, you know, obviously there's way too much sugar, too many drugs, too many antibiotics because drugs and antibiotics both reduce the diversity and cause an overgrowth so that many people who got the virus were already struggling with gut permeability from having a, you know, a chronically poor diet, way too many carbs and sugar, and also um, the breathing of the bad air, the water, you know, and, and the, the t- typical lifestyle and, and many more medications that impact it. And I have to say, too, that, you know, we now have the, the, the 5G, and I'm sure you're aware with all of the, the research you've done of the impact. It turns out that a podcast um, it also with the with the 5G a while ago and it has to do with you know the 5G actually altering how the microbiome expresses itself. It, so it's interesting because that's an issue that's been picked up on by uh, RFK Jr. Uh, in his presidential campaign, and, and that's when they really think he's put on the tinfoil hat. But you know, I think he's pointing out 
uh, an important issue that is, hasn't been properly studied. Yes. Yeah, and it, 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 it turns out that the more hands, you know, people do their hands all day, the phone 50 times, and, and they're not using a stylus, and they're not separating your body, the inflammatory cytokines are increased, and we all know that part of this expression of this virus also was so severe because the microbiome was very much favoring the dysbiotic bad organisms, and there was a higher level of inflammation due to other and environmental and internal and external factors. Okay. Well, is it a chicken or egg thing? Is it that we have poor microbiomes that render us more susceptible to disease, or could the converse be true? Could it be that for some individuals, the aftermath of COVID uh, has rendered them uh, in some ways immunologically imbalanced uh, with a chronic fatigue-like state? Yes, I think it's both. I think it's what the state of the person before they contract the virus or any other virus because the healthy gut bacteria promotes the functioning of T cells to identify the invaders and kill them. So, for example, there are a lot of studies on, you know, different types of microbes fighting off bacteria, fungi, and viruses. And yet also, for example, the study on the gut-lung connection, there's a, a lot of research now that show that probiotics, and I'll talk about which strains, shield the mucosa and boost immune functions because we have a microbial organ in each part of our body. So we have, you know, an oral microbiome. So they also found, you know, people have a lot of bad bacteria in the oral microbiome that that's linked to diabetes, heart disease, and to a higher level of inflammation before COVID. And then, so, you know, if your oral microbiome's out of balance, the gut microbiome, then you know, the probiotics colonize the gut and the respiratory tract. And with the species that they studied, actually flu and viral illnesses were reduced by 75% in the patient population that was colonizing with more robust species that actually allowed the immune system to kick in more effectively. It's incredible what can be done to prevent these, these uh, infections from being serious. And conversely, they found that people who actually did very well with COVID, testing the gut and finding that a robust microbiome, a much better microbiome in addition to the D3 levels and, you know, a lower inflammation level and so on. So it's very, very clear that, you know, especially people ask, them, what happens? What does overgrow? And like, you know, we know that the, this intercoccus fecali overgrows, but also this even affects the vaccine response. It increases the function of the mucocus barrier, you know, all of this inflammation. But bifida longum, for example, here's one species that people need to know. It's bifida longum, BD536, increases F. prausnitzi because in my patients that I see when I do my microbiome testing, and even now I'm doing the oral microbiome swaps, what I see is, you know, if F. prausnitzi is low, that is an anti-inflammatory microbe that prevents upper respiratory infections, you know, gum health. It's also related to prevention of Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, uh, viral uh, robust. And so when people say, what can I do to increase it? I said, no, I can't go to the store with you and get 15 bottles of F. prausnitzi. And then, you know, you look at your gut test and you see I'm low on 15 different strains. What do I do? We now know that there are certain 
types of like BD536 that we've been found that increases FPRAS-NITC dramatically. And also that iodine mouthwash kills the pathogenic bacteria. But if you, you know, if you take BD536, you take bacillus coagulant, uh, soil-based bacteria, it will increase the good bacteria and stimulate that lung and organ immune system. So it sounds like it's a matter of suppressing the bad guys um, and also encouraging the growth of the good guys to, to rejigger the balance. And there, yes. there's a profile that, and we'll talk a little bit about this later when we talk about assessment, there's a profile that tells you whether you have a lot of the bad guys or whether you have inadequate amounts of the good guys. And then there's another issue, which is diversity. I mean, if you only have, uh, if, if, if your GI tract looks like the Sahara Desert, that it's highly depleted uh, overall, uh, and you want it to be more of a luxuriant jungle, but not a, a toxic waste dump, you know, which proliferating with all kinds of harmful species. Yes, exactly, Dr. Hoffman. As a matter of fact, I love your analogy. It's you know, it's having that diverse jungle. And if you can imagine, you've got a garden, you know, like in the Amazon, you're growing a jungle type of garden. And you know that if you've got some bad strains growing, if everything is flourishing, they're going to easily be able to overtake, right, the bad. In this culture, what my tests show, I've done thousands of doctors' data, Genova, you know, all the functional medicine microbiome, in-depth microbiome assessment, not just the species, but also measuring with the PCR, DNA probe, you know, looking at the abundance and then looking at this biosis and leaky gut and, you know, digestive health, overall inflammation. When you get that jungle garden, you start to see these invaders taking over and one by one, they overtake. And then you pretty soon, you've got a four plus without knowing it. There's no symptoms with having five different four plus dysbiotic species that are going to with time start to crowd out the other thing, the other good species and affect your whole body health. You know, over the years, I've talked to a lot of microbiome experts uh, and what they say is that it's tricky. It's tricky to use a stool sample to assess what's going on in the GI tract. Because the argument is, is that, you know, what may come out uh, in the toilet is different than what may take place further up in the digestive tract in an oxygen-deprived environment. As soon as uh, your poop sample hits uh, the air, uh, it may change. And what we're interested in is if what's happening uh, in the colon, uh, perhaps also in, to some extent, in the small intestine, we can actually assess that from the other end with a breath test, looking at SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, but it, but it's tricky. And uh, we've in the past, we've used tests that are cultures. You know, we've taken a stool sample and we've smeared it on Petri dishes and we see what grows. But that may not really reflect what's going on there. Can you tell us about, you know, how uh, technology is beginning to overcome this? And, you know, perhaps we even can use, uh, you know, AI these days, you know, because it's so complicated. It's like, you know, I read some of these tests and my eyes glaze over. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I 
really like that question because I want to tell you that the newest PCR DNA testing of the 42 phyla that I do, 42 different phyla, which each has hundreds of species, and each phyla is done with a European Union-approved and now FDA-approved PCR DNA, and I've talked to the leading labs. I have also investigated this with many labs, independent testing of that, yes, the new technology we're doing is quite different from smearing it on a Petri dish. It's also a three-day count consecutive for some of that in-depth data that we're looking at as we're looking at, you know, calculations. Because still, still changes from day to day. I mean, if, you know, I mean, I don't want to get too, too gross about it, but, you know, from day to day, one notices changes in the, in the color, the consistency of their bowel movements. So, you know, it may be, yes. you just may be having a bad day or you may be having a good day if you submit just one sample. Yeah, well, that's why the, this three-sample testing with this latest DNA, PCR testing, has been, you know, we've done a lot of people pre-COVID, post-COVID, people with long COVID, and then we do intervention. So we do see the outcome is accurate. We want to show them in full color what's going on with their lactoferrin, calprotectin, you know, the two most important inflammatory talk markers. Talk a little bit about those markers because it's not just looking at the bacterial species. It's looking at certain qualities of the stool. What, what other things, information can you induce from a stool sample uh, that's not just the bacterial composition of the stool? Oh, yes, yes. So let me give you an example. Of course, we look at microbiome abundance, diversity, dysbiosis. However, beyond the bacterial abundance, multiplex, you know, PCR testing, we're looking at all pathogenic bacteria, parasites, um, you know, now looking at, you know, five, ten protozoa, flukes, roundworms, you know, certainly all of those markers. Probably C. difficile in some cases, right? Yes. Exactly. For people to travel, most important, it shows the opportunistic bacteria that are in balance, like like a cactus, rosea, streptococcus. You know, there's like, you know, they're sitting there in a yellow waiting to, to if, you know, if there's too much stress on the system, they're going to so, turn so It's, it's red, green, yellow, in, in a sense. So it, it, it. And I'm, yeah, so the, so the opportunistic is just saying, hey, you've got some imbalance. You've got some plants in your jungle garden mm -hmm. that are starting to grow that are not that good. These are plants are hostile. You know, they're hostile plants. However, if you do not, if you eat a lot of sugar, and, you know, you're doing a lot of things, drink tap water, eat sugar, take, you know, over the, even over the counter meds, like take a lot of Tylenol. Any medication is going to cause, including bad diet, stress, you know, the EMF is going to cause those imbalanced weeds. Let's say there's five new weeds. They're going to jump into this biotic bacteria, which the test shows. So then we've got... In the in one, two, three, or four levels, for being the highest of the dysbiosis and the name of the dysbiotic flora that is starting to crowd out the good ones, overtake the jungle garden. And the good news is that the labs I'm working with show which natural product is going to cut back those weeds mm -hmm. and start to allow the jungle to flourish again. Okay, so, 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 so we so don't want to put antibiotics. I, I think a lot of you know, many conventional physicians would think, okay, great, you know, we find a, a pathogen there. Let's just use a powerful antibiotic. Let's give Cipro or let's give, you know, amoxicillin or something like that. And that 
uh, could kill off the bad species, but could also, these are what are called broad spectrum antibiotics. So they kind of uh, create a lot of collateral damage in the intestinal tract. They destroy beneficial as well as harmful species alike. So can we uh, target the suppression of bad bugs while at the same time preserving or even encouraging good bugs? Yes. This is the great news is that the technology now shows us on the stool test which natural agents will get rid of the bad bugs without killing off the other species that are so viable. So we actually have independent assay testing of what they are. And what I then do is administer those to the patients at our clinic, and then we test, retest, and sure enough, we see that they're eradicated within three months. So we have all the data then to show the patient in full color that it's no longer there. So you use botanicals. What are some of the botanicals? Things like berberine. Uber earthy, grapefruit seed extract, colloidal silver, um, oil of oregano, caprylic acid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are some of the botanicals. Uh, oregano, of course, and, uh, you know, that's yes, essential. Yes, oil of oregano. Very yeah. antibacterial. Uh, and then yeah. there's, so, and you also are, are you, you target, target uh, the probiotics that you utilize. I mean, there may be uh, certain probiotics that are sort of uh, a lock and key for people's digestive balance. Ex- yes, exactly. Yeah. So what I'm doing, for example, you know, the probiotic strain L-casei that nobody hardly knows about, it's called L-C-A-S-E-I, D-like dog 128, has been shown to protect against influenza HN3N2 in the viral load of all the viral studies, you know, with the lungs and the animal studies was significantly reduced. And so, again, you know, most people are low in Epalsnitsi. We're not going to give them that. We're going to give them, you know, soil-based derived organisms, uh, BD536, um, you know, to, to increase so the different, Epalsnitsi. So different strokes for different folks. You try to customize it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then most important, by the way, uh, is also... Not only that do I customize the probiotics, but getting resistant starches, you know, like yeah. the fibers. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about resistant you know. starches because, I, I, you know, I'm aware of you know, what they are. We've been utilizing them. But uh, how do you get resistant starch into you? Well, I think it has to do with, you know, when you eat green banana powder, for example, for some patients having a tablespoon in their smoothie, of green banana powder has made a huge difference in getting more resistant mm-hmm. starches. So green banana, Other not ripe might, banana. Ripe banana, it, uh, it's gone past a certain Yeah, uh, that's right. It's green banana, or even a regular banana mm-hmm. gives you more. But the green banana powder that you can get everywhere is one of the best researched, uh, you know, source of the resistant starches. And then also, you know, black rice, purple rice, um, you know, 10 colors of veggies, lots of polyphenols, flavonoids. It's just going to increase the diversity. Right. I understand there's a little kitchen chemistry around potatoes that if you cook potatoes, then cool them and then say make a, like a, you know, your inversion of potato salad from the the potato, uh, that you get resistant starch. Is that correct? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But not, so, not, you know, the, so, not the hot yeah. potatoes, not like a fresh 
baked potato, you know, slathered with butter, that yeah. doesn't have the resistant starch. You let it cool. Yeah. And then it can become mm-hmm. resistant starch. Okay. Which yeah. Which is beneficial yeah, for the GI tract. And, very and, beneficial. And, and that's because the certain beneficial bacteria, that's a prebiotic for them. It helps exactly. them proliferate. Okay. Yeah. And in the same way, you know, for, for top immune-boosting foods that are very beneficial, it's like vegetable broth with dark leafy green veggies. You know, it, it's not the broth in a cardboard box that you take off the shelf. It's the gelatinous broth in a glass container. Hopefully, maybe it has to be in plastic, but you take a few tablespoons and you make a rich soup with your favorite dark leafy greens like bok choy, kale, charts, you know, those are really powerful foods to boost immunity. And then also sauerkraut before every meal, you know, cultured sauerkraut, kimchi, cultured coconut yogurt, um, uh, you know, onion, garlic, fennel, if people tolerate those foods. I mean, some of them is people may not tolerate, but, you know, having you know, like fermented artichokes, fermented right. asparagus you can get. Now, any type of fermented food before your meal yeah. it, is going to I just to want to point really out, it's, it's tricky because immunity. for some people, they're already suffering from SIBO, which is small intestine bacteria exactly. overgrowth. So for some people, we want to encourage yeah. the growth, but for other people, we want to discourage the growth. So uh, this has exactly. actually been referred to, the guy who invented the FODMAP diet is named Dr. Gibson. He's from Australia, and he he wrote an article entitled Gibson's Conundrum, which is that, yes, okay, you can you can reduce GI distress, gas, bloating, indigestion, diarrhea with a low FODMAP diet, but you're not giving enough prebiotic to encourage the growth of beneficial bacteria. So you have to find a balance, and it's different for yes, each person. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, we see but, a lot of people with that, too. Okay. Yeah. Let's pause now because uh, you provided us with a wealth of information about uh, the microbiome, but we've got more to talk about in part two. And I want to tell our listeners to stay tuned uh, to part two because the, today's guest, Christine Roche, uh, is going to tell people about uh, an exciting offer for specifically for intelligent medicine listeners, uh, an opportunity to explore the microbiome. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. <laughs>